From the Tulsa World, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Oklahoma heads to Kansas this week, trying to improve to 8-0 and trying to improve its resume before the first college football playoff rankings are released on Tuesday. Mason, I think that they came off a win off UCF. Any win's a good win, even if it's ugly. Uh, but I think there was a lot of talk around the locker room that things can't go like they did last Saturday up in Lawrence this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kansas is a program that has really ascended uh, relative to kind of what their standards were in the 2010s. You think about even two years ago, that 2021 game in Lawrence, they really gave OU some trouble. They were up 10-0 at halftime. Uh, it was the first time OU had been shut out since uh, its bowl game after the 2014 season. First time they were shut out in the first half. And if not for some Caleb Williams heroics, uh, you know, Kansas may well have won that game. Uh, they've, they've continued to improve. That was their first year under Lance Leipold, now in their third. Uh, this is a team that was ranked just a couple weeks ago, number 23 until they lost to Oklahoma State. They blew out Central Florida, who OU only beat by two points last week, obviously. A much better Kansas team than uh, most people who watch college football uh, over the past couple of decades have been used to. And this is going to be a really good challenge for OU. I get the sense that talking to a lot of OU's players, uh, they have a lot of respect, and especially Brent Venables does, a lot of respect for where this Kansas program has come and the heights they've reached, and they know that it's going to be more of a challenge this time around. You know, crazy stat. Uh, since last season, 2022, Oklahoma, or Kansas has won 11 games uh, in the 2022 and 23 seasons combined. Between 2016 and 21, Kansas won 11 games. So it's crazy. Uh, 11 wins over two seasons, 11 wins. You have to go back to 2016 uh, to count 11 wins through the 21 season. So this is definitely a program that's changed under Lance Leopold. Uh, I think that there's going to be more of a crowd there. Usually when you go up to Lawrence, you expect to see a lot of crimson and cream because tickets were easy to get to. Well, now big noon kickoff with Foxes there. It's going to be the marquee 11 a.m. game. Uh, I think tickets are going to be hard to come from. There's going to be a lot of Kansas fans looking for an upset. So Oklahoma, which has beaten Kansas 18 times in a row, dating back to 1997, I think Kansas is really hoping to try to pull and spring an upset on the Sooners, and uh, it's going to be a test for Oklahoma. Now, when we look at this schedule coming forward and what this week's been like, uh, it sounds like to a, to a player, they they weren't happy with how they played at UCF, and even Brent Venables, you know, after the game said that's a game that they lose last year, um, but it, sometimes it takes the games like this to kind of refocus stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, you just can't. You can't put a value on, honestly, some of the experience that they got against UCF last week because UCF ran a lot of trick plays, unique stuff. You think about the even the, the two-point play that OU had to defend to win the game. You know, they motioned a wide receiver into the backfield and then ran him back out to catch it, and we're going to have him throw a double pass if they'd had the guy open. So Kansas is, gonna, is also a high percentage of plays doing tricky stuff. Uh, and so the experience that OU got last week against UCF is going to be valuable. You know, Woody Washington uh, won't bite on a, a fake this time and let a guy go behind him for an 86-yard touchdown, hopefully. You know, there's there's hopefully stuff that's 
uh, been learned from that that they can take and apply to this week. I, th- I think it's also got to help that, you know, Kansas is likely starting Jason Bean and not Jalen Daniels this week. Uh, you know, he's played against OU two years in a row. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of tape on him and maybe that leads to some se- success from OU knowing uh, how he's like to attack them and pick them apart, especially uh, last year, the first year of Brent Venables and Ted Roof's defense being back in Norman. You know, you look at this Kansas offense, though, I mean, they're still pretty effective. When you look at both quarterbacks, um, I think their quarterback efficiency rating is the exact same. They're 173, which is crazy. Uh, Same exact number. Averaging 7.2 yards per play, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. That's that's amazing. You're almost getting a first down. These, these are numbers that Oklahoma used to, you know, used to be resemble, you know, Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley had these kind of numbers too. And, uh, but I, I think that uh, Devin Neal, the running back, I think that's the one player you really have to keep an eye on. He's, he's really running well. And Oklahoma's facing really good running backs. It seems like every week, the benefit for Oklahoma though, is their run defense is pretty dang good. Right. You, you've got two uh, big guys in the middle and, uh, Dejon Terry and Jacob Lacey, the transfers from Tennessee and Notre Dame, and uh, even uh, Isaiah Coe as a returner that's been really good in run defense. Grayson Halton has kind of helped in the middle as well. And on the edges, you know, Ethan Downs and Rondell Bothroyd have been really good in, in that regard. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think OU brings a more capable run defense than uh, to, the pa- to the table than what they did, uh, you know, the last time that they played in Lawrence. Looking back, uh, watching back that 2021 game the other day, you're playing a lot of guys that, you know, aren't aren't on this team anymore. Obviously, there's some talent, with some talent on that defensive line with Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito. But you think about guys like Josh Ellison and Corey Roberson and just some of those guys that are no longer part of the program that, uh, you know, OU has uh, since, you know, replaced with, with quality uh, starters and, and contributors across the board. It's just it's just night and day how much better this defensive line is compared to a year ago. And Brent Venables was you know very complimentary of them yesterday, talking about how uh, they've really just harped on the fundamentals and and uh, taking care of the little things, and and it's translated to success so far for this group. You mentioned Dejon Terry too. Here's a guy who started his career at Kansas, uh, began playing at Kansas, went redshirted one year, played one year before transferring to Tennessee. We had a chance to talk to him this week and had nothing but good things to say about KU, said it really helped him grow as a player and as a man. Uh, told us a little bit, when he got to KU, he only had one year of uh, of uh, high school football experience. He played his senior year and that was it. And then pretty soon he drew some eyes and Les Miles, he was in the Sonic drive through and got his first major offer from Kansas. And Les Miles, the head coach then, sent him that offer. So I thought that was pretty cool. It's really neat to hear stories like that, though, like Dejon Terry going back to Lawrence and playing. And, uh, you know, he, he's he been a, a nice impact player for the Sooners. We talked about the depth on that defensive line. He's one of those players on on, on the line. So I'll, I'll be right about him for tomorrow and his journey. We're taping this on Wednesday, so it'll be in Thursday's newspaper online Wednesday night. But I'll be right about his journey to Oklahoma via Kansas. Uh, you know, one player on that defensive line that we may get to see a little more is R. Mason Thomas. It uh, looks like he's finally healthy, dealing with not one, it sounds like two ankle sprains. <laughs> he's had two ankle issues, and uh, he's getting better. And I think he can add a lot to this defense. And uh, Brent Venable said 
he uh, was the best edge rusher in fall camp. So it'll be neat to see him come back. Uh, and I, I think you mentioned it, just going back to the depth. I mean, that that's the key is the depth. Um, what do you think about the, the secondary? What do you think Oklahoma has to do? You mentioned this earlier. Uh, how important will it be to stay more disciplined, especially in the secondary? Uh, you know, eye candy. What they say, eye, eye candy or eye, I can't remember what he's, eye crimes. Can't, yeah, Ethan Down said he can't do eye crimes. Uh, you, you really have to be disciplined on defense, don't you? Yeah, 100%. We, we saw some times where, where it cost OU last week. Um, you know, UCF also broke that big run that was like 50-plus yards. I, I think the longest run that OU had given up this season. So 100%, they're going to have to be more disciplined. I think I think the big thing, too, is just it's the it's the dumb mistakes, right? Like, they were on their way to a goal line stand, another one very similar to what they put together against Texas where they just stopped them for – three, four straight plays. And then Jared Koenig gets called for taunting and immediately refreshes the towns and UCF scores a touchdown. Kansas is a team you can't do that to. You can't, you can't do that to Kansas. They're, they're much more capable than UCF in terms of making you pay and, and taking advantage of, of getting that extra touchdown because uh, you committed a penalty like that and then going and stacking more touchdowns on it. So that's that's one thing that definitely for OU this week cannot happen no taunting and, and I know it goes both ways you know obviously the referee missed one there on uh Javon Baker blowing a kiss to the, the <laughs> sideline but uh you know you can't you can't let the the heat of the moment uh overcome that and Ted Roof was talking about after the game like they want to see guys you know don't don't go taunt the other guy go celebrate with your teammates uh, you know D do that and instead and, and don't put your team in a, in a bad position because you know you couldn't respond the right way to success that's something that bigger bigger picture that's something Brent Venables has talked all year about is responding the right way to success and, and handling success the proper way and you know that's what this game comes down to OU 7-0 they have every opportunity to be 8-0 but it's will they handle the success that they've had so far the right way and take and apply the things they can get better at against Kansas, uh, or will they, will they flounder in the moment? Will they not handle success the right way? One last thing about Kansas' offense is that this is something where Oklahoma's going to have to win the early downs and try to make them one-dimensional and try to get them out of their comfort zone, which is going to be hard. But Kansas is fourth nationally in third down uh, efficiency. They they really move the change really well. So that's going to be something that Oklahoma's really going to have to do is is, uh, you know, win first and second down to put them in difficult situations on third down. So something to watch. Let's move to offense. And, uh, of course, it seems like every week we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about the run game. I mean, <laughs> and uh, it's just it's just a broken record. The, the, the players, the, you know, eventually they wore down UCF and was able to have a strong fourth quarter. But I, I still think there needs to be consistency throughout all four quarters in this run game. Uh, I don't know if Marcus Major is healthy. Uh, you know, he's had the shoulder issue. Gavin showed, Softchuck showed some sparks. And Tommy Walker's back, I guess, after a one-game in-house suspension. Don't have details on what the in-house suspension was for, but uh, Brent Venables reiterated on uh, during his Tuesday press conference kind of what he said on Saturday, that Tommy Walker will be available for Kansas. But this run game, I, I still think, I just don't know if they can get to where they want to get with the, the productivity they're getting out of that position. I really just don't know what it is anymore, Eric. Like, 
is it the is it that the offensive line isn't blocking it up correctly on a consistent basis? Is it that the guys aren't hitting the holes? Uh, is it that just none of these running backs and OU's running backs room is as talented as you know when Eric Gray or Kenby Brooks, some of the guys that they've had in the past that that have really in certain situations carried this team and put this team on their back when they needed it. Uh, it just seems like they don't have that guy. The all these guys are you know they're they're solid players, but. You know, none of them is really a star bell cow running back. It doesn't help that, you know, all of them, Tommy Walker excluded, have, have had some injury issues this year. And then obviously he gets hit with the suspension and he's out for a game. That doesn't put you in a, in a good position. I do hope and kind of wonder moving forward if some of the bursts that we saw from Gavin Sawchuk uh, in the fourth quarter against Central Florida, if he's kind of getting some of the juice that he had uh, in the Cheez-It Bowl last year back and, Maybe he can be the hot hand for this group moving forward. But uh, right now, it, it's really just not clear, you know, who's going to be the guy that's that's going to get this thing going. And I do wonder if the chemistry is off a little bit on the offensive line. I mean, obviously, they played both Caleb Schaefer and Savion Bird at right guard uh, last week. Uh, Caden Green played most of the snaps at left guard, but he's a freshman that's still learning. I wonder how getting McCabe Matoyer uh, back – you know, I don't know if it's going to happen this week. I bet it's probably next week. But although he did play some special teams, <laughs> which was really weird, and, and I really don't – I still really don't know what happened there, like how he got in the game. I think it was because, like, Schaefer got hurt, and they literally just didn't have anybody else suited up to put in. So they stuck him in there and said, hey, don't re-injure yourself. Uh, but looking ahead, right, I kind of almost wonder if they might go back to the offensive line that they, they had at the beginning of the season with – with Bird and with uh, Matoyer and 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 see if they can, you know, that, that, was, that was supposed to be the group at the beginning of the year. They're supposed to be the group. So maybe in a couple of weeks they go back to that and they can figure some things out because uh, those are the guys that work together, you know, all fall camp and off season and they have the chemistry. Uh, but right now it, it just, you're still just searching for answers. Like I don't think we can point to one thing and say, why can't this team run the ball? especially after against UCF, 123rd ranked rushing defense in the country coming into that game and just completely inept at running the ball, like you said, until the fourth quarter. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't know when this is going to be fixed. I guess the good thing is, you know, Dylan Gabriel is still playing pretty great and they're just bombarding people in the passing game. That's that's really – that's really they, – they do that and they run it enough to keep it balanced, I guess, sort of, not really. And, and that's that's what it is at this point. And Kansas is ranked 93rd nationally in run defense, too. So we're seeing the same thing as well. Uh, Oklahoma has an opportunity to run the football. Kansas struggles against stopping the run. Will Oklahoma be able to take advantage of that? We'll see. Um, passing game, the Sooners played their first game without Andrew Anthony. You wondered who was going to take up the slack. And it looks like Nick Anderson really is ready to make some big plays. And, of course, had yeah, two more touchdowns, 16 catches, eight touchdowns, 50% uh, touchdown ratio. Uh, he's one off Marvin Mims' freshman touchdown record. Marvin had nine in 2020. Uh, Nick Anderson has eight. Uh, and I, I really think that's huge for uh, for his confidence, just ha- playing a full game, getting more targets, as, as well as um, Jalil Farouk. I mean, uh, excuse me, not Jalil Farouk, Jaden Jaden Gibson had a huge third down catch. That was, uh, you know, just a big catch across the middle. I think you really need to get Gibson involved as well. I think those are the two players that really, really need to be more involved in Andrew Anthony's absence. I think we saw that. Uh, and 
you know, it was funny. Another another thing we talked about the run game too, Mason. Uh, we saw Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops lined up in the backfield too. So I, I just think that they're looking for any way to get the ball in the hands of the ball in the hands of the wide receivers to to get them to make plays. One hundred percent. I think at this point, Anderson Anderson is going to break Mims' record easy. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not thinking math wise, like what his pace is, but. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna beat that. It's it's been pretty incredible to see the way he's just surged this season after after not playing at all last year due to injury, and so good for him. And I think the one thing is the other than the catches, the touchdown catches that he made, it seemed like that they had. And you mentioned the big play by Gibson. That was definitely an example. But it seemed like in that UCF game there were times where they really struggled at getting vertical. I do wonder how much they're going to miss Andrew Anthony in that speed kills, you know, attack down the field kind of vein. I'm really surprised we didn't see any Brennan Thompson the last two weeks. After the catch he made against Iowa State, uh, I guess I really thought that he was he was going to really factor into this offense and he would be maybe the guy that got some more playing time and really stepped up in Anthony's absence. I guess that could still occur. Maybe we find out this week. Maybe he gets some more reps against Kansas. But uh, it, it, it's it's kind of perplexing, I guess, a little bit, given that to see that that he hasn't really emerged as as maybe we thought he would. Uh, but to your point, you know, Gibson, Anderson already established, have already made some really big competitive plays this season. Just keep feeding them the ball, and good things are going to happen. Let's switch to special teams, where there's a lot to talk about. Uh, special teams. Um, Zach Schmidt, I don't know. He's, he's kind of, I, I guess the yips might be the one thing to say it. I mean, he's a guy who just really surprised with, with uh, you know, how much he struggled in the past couple of weeks. And I, I know it's, you've asked Brent Venables during a press conference about kickers. You asked him about a punter today, too, I think. Uh, was that you that asked the punter question uh, about Lucas? Yeah. Yeah, me, me and George Stoya have been all over the uh, kicker-punter problems, asking Brent Venables about that. Let's start with Zach Smith, though. There's got to be something there. You know he's capable. You know he's he, it's it's more of a head thing now. And if you're an Oklahoma fan, you probably hope he hasn't just totally abandoned his confidence. And Brent Venables, of course, is going to say everything to keep his confidence up. But he did say something interesting on Tuesday. He said, we got to be better. And uh, that's true because, you know, Oklahoma, that game – in the first quarter, Oklahoma snapped 18 times in UCF territory in the first quarter out of 22 snaps, came out with seven points with two missed field goals. I think that anytime there's a scoring opportunity, you have to you have to finish. And uh, I just wonder what happens if a game gets down to the line and you need a 40-yard kick to win a game, what's going to happen? So Zach Smith, that's going to be interesting to watch moving forward. Right. Uh, the other thing that Brent Venables mentioned yesterday – have had some guys banged up in the kicker room. I don't recall seeing Gavin Marshall on the field uh, before the UCF game. He's usually out there suited up and warming up with Schmidt. Don't recall seeing him at all on Saturday. It really may be a case of, you know, they they have to rely on Schmidt. Venables talked about them not having the depth. It, it sounds like maybe he's just the only guy that they can rely on, whether it's Marshall maybe hurt or they really just don't have anybody else. And so to your point, Eric, yeah, I mean, it's kind of concerning, like the these misses that he's had, you know, eventually that could come back to bite you uh, in a game. It, it almost did against Texas. And obviously taking six points off the board that you could have had against UCF didn't help in that game either. Didn't help only winning that game by two points. 
So, yeah, I mean, you, you just got to be better. Like, I, I and I, I don't know, I, I, I guess kind of what you're saying, I guess maybe it's the yips, but, you know, best of luck to him on, on getting that, that straightened out. And, and hopefully Kansas, he gets a lot of opportunities and that can be a starting point for uh, getting his season back on track. We had an interesting talk with Luke Elzinga after practice. First time we got to talk to a punter in a long time since my, uh, and it was really neat because this has been a, a position that really kept an eye on all year. And uh, Elzinga has really been kind of the short yardage specialist trying to, you know, bury teams deep, but they, they gave him all duties on Saturday against UCF and he came through averaged 51.6 uh, yards per punt. Uh, Oklahoma, according to Oklahoma Media Relations, his 51.6 average is the sixth best in a single game when you kick five times. Uh, and uh, we had fun talking to him. It was really neat talking to him. We talked about coming from Central Michigan, how he got to know Jay Nunez and competed against Jay Nunez and was just looking to be, you know, just somewhere a little bit more higher competition when he entered the transfer portal. And uh, it's been a competition for him. He's enjoyed it. He, he really wants to go out there and, and finish strong. And I I think that's something that Oklahoma needed. You know, Brett Vittables mentioned in his press conference winning the hidden yardage. And I think Elzinga was a big part of that on Saturday. Yeah, it, you know, he he did good. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to how else to put it. Uh Brent Venables talked about them being it that being a game where they needed it. And obviously with the inconsistency that, that Josh Plaster had had this season, you wondered if they might do something different and they finally did. And it, I would assume, you know, Elzinga is going to be the guy moving forward because you just can't be in some of the situations that they were in against Texas, against Iowa state, where you get a bad punt and all of a sudden you're on the wrong side of a field position battle. Uh, they did, they, they weren't winning, they weren't winning the field position battle early and, uh, they certainly, you know, leveraged that in this past game. Or if, like, if they hadn't, if they hadn't made a switch and they hadn't gotten those, you know, quality punts from Elzinga, then, you know, they very well may have lost because they would have, you know, UCF doesn't have to go 86 yards, 50 yards to score anymore. Uh, like it, it just sets them up that much easier. Uh, it, so, you know, going into this Kansas game, that's going to be a, a big thing as well. Is you know, can you, can you? put the ball in the right spots and then force Kansas offense to go the length of the field on you. Well, one last thing before we depart, uh, for Oklahoma to win on Saturday, what do you think the Sooners have to do well? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I think we've, we've highlighted a couple spots. Defend the run stands out. Just the defensive line continuing to, to have the success that, it, that it's had you know, Texas really didn't run the ball super effectively aside from a couple of plays against OU. The defensive line was was very good in that regard against Texas. Showed some, you know, made some mistakes against UCF. Had that, that long run that we talked about earlier where they just, you know, let the guy go right up. And that's the kind of stuff you can't have with a dynamic running back in Devin Neal. Uh, so just, just continuing to uh, you know, trust what they know and, and do the right things in those situations, you know, keeping the, keeping the running backs at bay, I think will be very pivotal, pivotal. And, you know, Bean is a guy with some escapability as well. So uh, not letting him, him get 
him get out of the pocket and, and make plays with his legs. I think if anything, that's that's been one of the positives about this defensive line this year, right? The whole mobile quarterback curse that we've seen over the past few years hasn't been as much of a thing this year. And so can they keep it that way against the Jayhawks on Saturday? Great point. You're right. We haven't really talked about mobile quarterbacks hurting him because they've done a good job of cont- containing those players. I think it's for Oklahoma to have success. They're really going to have to focus on just having being ready for a road environment. They've only played one true road game. That was at Cincinnati. Uh, Texas and Tulsa really don't count. So this is something else they're going to, you know, get on a plane, go up to Lawrence. And, you know, it typically, like I said earlier, there's a lot of OU fans in that stadium. I don't know if there's going to be as many. So this is going to be kind of a wild environment. So it's going to be one of those things where they're going to have to really focus on doing what they need to do. And I think a quick start, that's going to be so important, getting off to a quick start. We talked about how they only scored seven points in the first quarter against UCF, despite having a lot of scoring opportunities. I think they can't lose those opportunities on the road. They're going to have to finish drives. Uh, you know, if you're if you're Jeff Levy, you don't want to, you know, you know, with all due respect to Zach Smith, you don't want to put it in his on his foot in the first quarter. You want to score touchdowns. And this is a Kansas defense that struggled at times. They've given up a lot of points. So I think if you can get on track early offensively, get out to a big lead, that'll be huge because it'll it'll make Kansas one dimensional. And uh, you can do a lot of things when you kind of know what Kansas is going to do. And that would allow Brent Venables to open up his playbook a little more with the different coverages and zone blitzes that he likes to do. Uh, I think playing at 11 is big, too, because this is the fifth time the Sooners have done it. it it's crazy. And third time in a row, 11 a.m. kick. And I'm really curious what next week's going to be at Bedlam. We still don't know the Bedlam, Bedlam kick yet. Uh, we're going to have a six-day window, so we should know Sunday, maybe Saturday night, but probably Sunday we'll know when Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are going to play in Stillwater. So it's one of those things where you, you got to start early. You got to get up early. There's no hitting the snooze bar on the road. You got to be ready to play at kickoff. So interesting to see how that that goes out. And, you know, playing at Kansas, funny things happen. You know, we we look back. All we had to do is look back two years ago, right? Yep, yep. In fact, probably should have some more on that today or uh, online tomorrow and in in Saturday's paper talked to Kim Belton who produced that game for ESPN was working with Robert Griffin III and Mark Jones and and Quint Kessenick on the broadcast of that game and he just kind of he kind of relived uh some of the memories you know Kim's been around ESPN and, and ABC a long time uh working with sports TV productions and he's been to he's been part of broadcasting Rose Bowls and Mike Tyson fights and a lot of other memorable events, but he said, you know, this, this one, this one kind of sticks out. It's a, it's some funny games. And he said as well that, you know, RG three being a young broadcaster now being only in his third year of broadcasting for ESPN, that uh, this, that, that was a memorable game for him too. The 2021 OU Kansas game being uh, kind of a zany game in, in his first year of being a broadcaster. So We'll have more on that on TulsaWorld.com and OUSportsExtra.com. Just uh, a broadcaster's perspective on on a crazy game two years ago. I'll never forget being in the press box that first quarter and all the power went out in the press box. We had no power. And all of us as writers, of course, wanted to tweet right away. We got on our laptop trying to tweet. There's no power in the press box. Didn't realize the internet was down. So we were, (laughs) even if we tried to tweet on our laptops, we couldn't because there was no internet. Got to so, pivot. Got to got to gin up that hotspot ASAP. Exactly. Got to get on our phone and start typing on our phone. So that was it. Was just a crazy, crazy afternoon. That was just a wild one. So 
Well, we'll, we'll recap it too from Lawrence with our post-game pod. We always have a post-game pod on Saturdays after the game, and we'll get that up pretty quick on TulsaWorld.com. And you can catch all our podcasts, uh, whatever platform you use, Spotify, Google, Apple. Uh, just look for me and Mason. Uh, we'll continue to, to churn out stories. Uh, we got John Shin, who's helping us out. He's doing a great job. Has another outstanding uh, pair of notebooks this week from OU Practices. So we appreciate all your listening, all your reading. Uh, please continue to support local media. We really appreciate it. Everyone out there, have a good week.